and welcome to Audiobook Stories Podcast. I can't wait to read some stories to you all. These stories are based on regular storybooks, so it probably won't be really scary for the younger kids. Today I'm going to go over some things you could do to prepare yourself for some stories. First, you could go to a cozy place to sleep in or just relax. Second, you could get your iPhone, iPad, iPod, or laptop to listen to stories. Third, you could turn on the podcast and enjoy. Three simple steps you could do to listen to some stories. Now let's start continuing with our first story. Our story today will still be Wings of Fire, Book 11, The Lost Continent. Let's get reading! Chapter 18 Blue felt a reverent shiver run through him, even thinking the words, The Book of Clear Sight. He'd spent a hundred nights lying in his hammock, gazing up at the silk-shrouded stars and imagining what it would like, had been like to be her. The greatest seer who ever lived, the wisest of dragons, grandmother to an entire tribe. The legend said Clearsight had been able to see the future, but not just one future, all the possible futures. She'd used that power to keep the tribe safe during her lifetime. They'd survived hurricanes, forest fires, and a malevolent princess or four, thanks to Clearsight. And her children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren were protected from every danger, growing strong and powerful and no- more u- numerous as the years went on. Then, when Clearsight saw her peaceful death approaching, she left one last gift for her descendants, a book that foretold the future. It warned them about everything in the years to come. The lightning strike that sheared away part of the sea cliff, the population explosion of sharks in the bay, the possible spread of the de- a devastating bark disease in the forest. Clearsight wrote it all down, a centuries of warnings, so that she could continue to protect her beloved hive-winged children, even long after her death. The Book of Clearsight was the hive-wing's greatest treasure. It was the reason they were the most powerful tribe in Pentala. Queen Wasp had used, had used it to defeat the leaf-wings in the war. It made her invincible. And surely, Blue thought, cold tentacles trailing through his mind, Surely it included warnings about any dragon stupid enough to try to steal it from her. She might even know they were here right now. I know, Belladonna said, studying his face. I thought the same thing. But we've made it this so far, and we've been hiding in her own greenhouse for four days without anyone showing to capture us. If the book had warned her about us, she hasn't bothered to do anything about it. Yet, Hemlock added impassively, Belladonna shot them a look. We don't need them, Sundu cried. I can steal the Book of Clearsight by myself. You can't even get near the front door by yourself, Belladonna observed. Neither can we, Blue said. We're no use to your plan. We're wanted fugitives. She isn't, Hemlock said, flicking one claw at Cricket. That was true. Cricket could, but Cricket was shaking her head. Blue's small flame of hope spluttered out. Of course she would say no. He couldn't blame her. She'd never even met Luna. She wouldn't risk her tribe's entire future to save a silkwing she didn't know. Helping a pathetic dragon hide from hunters was one thing, 
an exciting adventure, complete with anti-paralysis smoke and reading monkeys. Stealing the Book of Clearsight, though, that was an unforgivable crime. She'd be betraying her whole tribe, not just her queen. No, Belladonna growled, suddenly furious. Furious, She darted across the cricket and seized the hivewing's jaw in her talons. You don't say no to me, hivewing. You have no right, after everything your tribe has done to our homes and our dragons. Don't hurt her, Blue cried. He tried to pull his talons free, but they were bound tightly. Look, can't you understand why she'd refuse? She wants to protect her tribe, same as you. You say you're not here to hurt anyone, but then what are you planning to do with the book once you have it? Belladonna hissed in Cricket's face and shoved her away. All we want to do is level the wind currents, she spat. Do you really think that it's fair that the Hivewings have had this secret knowledge for so long? They've, that they've abused it to dominate and destroy our other tribes? Do you think that's what your precious Clearsight intended? Cricket looked down at her feet, blinking rapidly. Queen Wasp has already read the whole thing, Belladonna went on. She'll probably even has a copy somewhere, unless she's an idiot. We just want to read it, too. Then we'll know all the same things. We'll have the same advanced information. Leafwings won't have anything more than what the Hivewings have had for generations. Equal Equality. That's what we're looking for. Seems only fair, Hemlock agreed. But, um... Blue said nervously. But then won't you use that information to attack the Hives? Belladonna's eyes glittered. That depends on what the book says. Stop being so nosy, Sundu said fiercely. Her talons twitched toward one of her pouches, but whatever was in the air, she stopped herself from bringing it out. Either you help us or you die. It's very simple. Blue glanced at Swordtail. He could see instantly that Swordtail was fine with this plan. He'd be happy to help even Leafwings if it meant saving Luna, and he didn't care what happened to the Hivewings afterward. But Cricket, this was too much to ask, and yet the truth was, it would be impossible to pull off pull, pull off without her. Blue closed his eyes and took a deep breath. I need to talk to my friends, he said. Give us some time to think about it. To think about it? Sundu growled. She picked up a fallen branch and started snapping it into jagged splinters. Arr! You have until midday, Belladonna said, beckoning her daughter. Then we start formulating our plan. She turned and disappeared into the leaves, with Sundu stomping furiously behind her. her. Hemlock untied the vine around Swordtail's snout, then stepped across and did the same for Cricket. He paused as the vine dropped away and met Cricket's eyes. Choose wisely, he said to her. And then he, too, slipped away into the foliage. Blue looked up. This section was so overgrown that he couldn't see the walls or the ceiling of the greenhouse. It was like they were in a cave made of leaves. But he could tell from the bright green color leaching into the plants that the sun was rising outside. He wondered if the hunters were out already, looking for him. Had anyone noticed Cricket was missing yet? He rocked himself into his side and scooted awkwardly over the rocky ground until he was next to her. She gave him a half-hearted smile and nudged his neck with her nose. I'm sorry, he said to her. I am really, really sorry I dragged you into this. Cricket looked very surprised. Did you? She said. I'm pretty 
sure I dragged myself into it, or leaped into it with all four feet and all four wings. I might have been yelling, Wee! Adventure! in my head, if I didn't say that out loud. Well, maybe, he said, but you couldn't have expected this. Neither could you, she pointed out reasonably. Being captured by leafwings, it's kind of amazing, isn't it? I can't believe they're still alive. Where have they been all this time? I must say they're a little more begillerant than I would have imagined. She moved her jaw from side to side, wincing. Really? Blue said. We were taught that leafwings would kill us on sight, so it seemed to me quite friendly or for them to postpone killing us until later. Cricket gave him a rueful smile. Is there any chance they maybe won't kill us at all? She asked. Maybe if we help them, Blue said, or get away from them somehow. Blue glanced across at Swordtail, who was flailing around on the ground, trying to bite away the vines binding his talons. Um, Swordtail, he said, what do you think? I think they're listening to us, Swordtail growled, so it's no use trying to make any escape plans. True, Belladonna's voice called up from the plants somewhere up in the branches. But I think we should help them, Sir Tail said. They have a point. The hivings did destroy all their trees. Queen Wops used book, the book's knowledge to nearly wipe them out. So why shouldn't they get to see the book? I don't care, as long as they take us to Luna. The only thing I'm not sure of is whether we can trust them to help us after they, we do what they want. You can! Belladonna's voice called again. Of course you can, you ungrateful beetles! Sundu yelled from somewhere else. We're not lying, convening hive wings. We're leaf wings. We're honorable. If you want to be in this conversation, Blue shouted, just come back and be in already. There was a moment of rustling silence. No, no, said Belladonna's voice. Carry on, pretend we're not here. Swordtail snorted. Well, I'm worried, Blue said to Swordtail. First of all, I'm sure it's impossible to steal the book. Secondly, even if we could, giving it to a tribe to, who tried to wipe us all out once upon a time seems like maybe a bad idea. That's not what we... Sundu bellowed. Shh! Belladonna hushed her. We're leaving anyway, aren't we? Swordtail said. If we can't ever go home... You and me and Luna and Io, if we can find her. And you too, if you want to come, he said to Cricket. We ha we'll have to find a new place to live, far away from Wasp and all the hives and her zombie hordes. So why should we care what happens to her or them after we're gone? We'll be safe, far away from here. But what about anyone else? Everyone else, Blue asked. Burnett and Silverspot, your parents, all the dragons we went to school with? All our teachers? Cricket's sister? Don't you care about any of them? Swordtail coiled his tail in close and spread his wings. I care about Luna, he said. That's it. Blue couldn't imagine that was true. Blue cared about all of them, every dragon he'd ever spoken to, and all the ones he'd never seen. There were dragons out there eating blueberries, and dragons laughing at clumsy tiger cubs, and dragons learning to dance, and dragons crying as though their hearts would break over missing homework. He'd been all of them in some way, and he couldn't just toss them into the talons of these angry, vengeful dragons and fly off. He turned back to Cricket. She'd managed to snap off a twig from the bush behind her, holding it between her teeth and passing it to her 
her bound talons. She caught Blue's eye and tapped the dirt with the stick. I'm not sure we have a choice, she said out loud. Awkwardly, she wrote, pretend to agree, escape later. Blue tilted his head at her. Could they do that? Say yes to the Leafwing's plan? Agree to go after the book? And then run off once they were inside the hive? They wouldn't have the Leafwing's help to find Luna, but with luck, they would find her. They could find her themselves. But it felt underhanded. He didn't like lying to anyone or breaking promises. Of course, he didn't love stealing priceless artifacts either. It's all like Sandu said, right? Cricket went on. We do what they want, or they kill us. I won't th- let them kill you, Blue said. Something like a ha came from the direction of Sandu's voice, followed by a shh and the sounds of a scuffle. Cricket tapped her message again, watching him significantly. Let's hear their plan, she said. If stealing the book means helping your sister and not dying, I can do that. They're right that Queen Watch and the librarian already know everything that's in it anyway. Swordtail had given up on untying his vines and lay in an undignified heap on the path, frowning at them. From his angle, Blue was pretty sure Swordtail couldn't read what Cricket had written. But it didn't matter. Once they were away from the Leafwings, he'd explain, and Swordtail would understand. Sounds like we're all in agreement, Swordtail said. Blue sighed and leaned forward to brush away Cricket's message. All right, he called. We'll steal the Book of Clearsight for you. Chapter 19. Cricket's plan began to fall apart immediately. In the first place, the Leafwings were adamant that Sundu had to go with them to sneak into the temple. Temple. What? Cricket said. How? There's no way to get her through the hive unnoticed. The first guard who spots her will kill her. In fact... Any hivewing who sees her will probably do the same. It's true, Blue agreed. There are terrifying posters about you everywhere. We've been working on that, Belladonna said. Blue couldn't help thinking. She seemed remarkably, remarkably unconcerned about sending her daughter into danger. The tall leafwing produced a pair of leaves that were similar in a shape to the... To, to the to the second, smaller pair of wings and a silk wing. Sundu stood still, shooting daggers at Cricket with her eyes, while Belladonna and Hemlock fastened the fake wings below and behind her real ones, using a system of rigging them with untie, with vine ties under Sundu's many pouches. No flying, Hemlock said sternly, touching Sundu's snout. But as long as she keeps her wings folded, it should be convincing enough inside the hive. Belladonna said, walking up to the guards outside in the sunlight with plenty opportunity for them to watch her coming. That was the part we were having trouble with. She smiled at Cricket, a smile that went nowhere near her eyes. That's where you come in. She's still very green and leafy looking, Cricket protested. Even her real wings look like leaves, and she's so green. Blue, aren't, there aren't any silk wings that green, are there? He spent a moment trying to remember all the green silklings he knew before he realized Cricket wanted him to say, Oh no, never that green. We can fix that too, Sandu said spiritedly. She jumped out one of her pouches, sending a rainstorm of flower petals to the ground. Without choosing carefully, she grabbed a scarlet flower and rubbed it on her shoulder, leaving a patch of reddish green. Let me, Hemlock said, gently taking the flower out of her talons. 
He sorted the petals quickly into piles by color, then started applying rubbings of yellow, red, and blue in an even pattern. Cricket watched skeptically, but Blue was fairly impressed. It wasn't as though the paint looked thorough as the paint Cricket had put on him, but it did make Sandu look much less like a leaf wing by the time Henlock was done, although maybe not quite a silk wing. She looked a little too furious to be a real silk wing, and the combination of colors wasn't exactly beautiful. But Belladonna might be right. It was at least possible now that Sundu could pass through the corridors of Wasp Hive without getting caught. Wait, that's bad, he remembered. We want to leave her behind. We'll never be able to escape with her watching us. But there was no way to convince the Leaflings without raising their suspicions, and then it got worse. These two stay behind with us, Belladonna said, pointing to Blue and Swordtail. No way, Swordtail blurted. Cricket folded back her wings and lifted her chin. I'm not going without them, she said. I won't do it. I don't trust you. And I don't trust you, Hivewing, said Belladonna, which is exactly why they're staying where I can keep an eye on them. Then you can have them back when I have the book. No, Cricket said, standing her ground. I can't do this alone. You'll have Sundu, Belladonna pointed out. Yeah, Sundu said. You'll have me. That's like the opposite of being alone. I can do anything twenty dragons can do. I need my friends, Cricket said firmly. Belladonna and Hemlock exchanged a long, thoughtful look. Finally, Hemlock said, Just one, said Cricket. One, said Belladonna. Choose which, or we'll kill one of them and make your choice very easy. Cricket hesitated. Blue felt awful for her. How could they all escape if one of them was stuck in the greenhouse? But there wasn't anything she could do. He could see that. Blue, Cricket said in a subdued voice. I'll take Blue. You should take Swordtail, he said. He's a better fighter than me if things go bad. I'm assu- I assume that's what she's for? Cricket said, nodding at Sundu. I really want you to come with me, Blue. Please? He realized that she was scared, maybe even more scared than he was. She'd gotten into this for him, and she felt safer with him than Swordtail, who she barely knew and who had a tendency to say mean things about Hivewings. Blue was afraid he'd be more than useless to her, but if she wanted him, he'd go to the ends of Pantala, or anywhere she asked. Of course, he said. Maybe they'd have a chance to slip away from Sundu. Maybe they'd come up with a way to save Swordtail and get out of this even if he couldn't think of any solutions right now. Hemlock cut them loose and let Cricket use some of the flower dye to cover the spots where blue. His real colors were showing through. The result was lopsided and weird-looking, like he had some kind of scale disease where bits of him were flaking off. But maybe that would make the other dragons, especially the hive wings, keep their distance from him. The day felt endless, and yet it was alarmingly soon when Belladonna said, It's dusk. Time to go. Blue took one of Swordtail's talons in his and squeezed. We'll come back for you, he said. I know, Swordtail said. With the book. I know you can do it. How do I tell him we're only pretending? Blue thought desperately. How do I warn him he needs to escape? There was no way. Hemlock was standing right next to him, watching them like a hawk. Right, Blue said. See you soon, Swordtail. Sundu led them through the tangled greenery to the back of the greenhouse, facing away from the hive. Carefully, she tapped on the pane of the glass wall, then wedged her claws in the cracks around the edges and levered it out. 
Oh, Cricket said. I wondered what you did to get in. Oh dear, isn't that going to be bad for the plants? I don't care two frogs about the plants, Sundu snapped. Go on. Cricket ducked through the opening. As Blue crouched to follow her, he saw Belladonna poke Sundu between the shoulders so she'd stand more upright. Make us proud, she said to her daughter. Do not fail. Remember this is the way you were hatched to do. Remember how evil they are. Let your rage carry you. Yes, Belladonna, Sundu said firmly. I will not fail. And then Blue was outside on one of the neat paths, standing next to Cricket under a whale-gray sky. Low clouds blotted out the moons and most of the stars. The rainy season was definitely upon them. Sundu emerged a moment later, sliding the glass back into place behind her. They slipped silently between the greenhouses, weaving toward the front of Wasp Hive. As they got closer, Sundu held up one talon to stop them, and then darted to the next corner and peered out at the hive entrance. Two guards, she whispered. Then this should work. She dug a pouch in dug into a pouch and carefully pulled out a wooden box, which she opened to reveal the flower the size of a stingray and the color of moonlight. Take this, she said to Cricket. Carefully. Do not crush any part of it until you get close to the guards. Then make them look at it and smash it under their noses. What will it do? Cricket asked, eyeing the beautiful white bloom. Is it poisonous? Where did it come from? I don't want to poison anyone. It won't poison them, Sandu said impatiently. It'll just knock them out for a while. Don't you inhale it, though, or you'll be useless to us. Cricket held the flower as far away from her as she could, took a deep breath, and stepped out of the cluster of green houses. She moved slowly, cautiously hobbling on three legs so she could hold the flower up in one town with infinite gentleness. It hit Blue suddenly that this was a dangerous turning point for Cricket. Up until now, she hadn't been seen with the fugitives. She could have returned home at any moment, slipping back into her ordinary life with a shrug and an excuse about mind control and hunting, or something like that. But now she was facing real hivewing guards, who were likely to remember her. Whatever happened next, Cricket would be in trouble. Probably really bad trouble. I am so sorry, Cricket. Blue thought mournfully. I wish... His thought trailed off. He couldn't say, I wish we hadn't met, because that was the furthest thing from the truth. He wished she was safe. That's all. Both guards leaped to their feet when they saw her approaching. Halt! One of the guards called. Cricket stopped where she was, halfway to the door, and the guards started whispering to each other. Blue glanced over at Sundu, who was watching with tension humming from every bone in her body. She looked ready to sprint out there and stab the guards if they so much sneeze as sneezed funny. So, he said to her, your mother said you were hatched for this. What's that all about? Sundu looked over her shoulder at him incredulously. You're, are you seriously making small talk with me right now? No, he protested. That wasn't small talk. That was big talk. Actual talk? I really want to know, I mean... It's nothing mystical, Sundu growled. She wanted a daughter to carry our family's legacy. She trained me my whole life for one purpose. This. Stealing the Book of Clear Sight? She narrowed her eyes and paused for a moment. Sure. That didn't sound like the whole story, but now the guards were calling Cricket forward again. Who are you? One of them asked. Why weren't you back by curfew? And what have you got there? Asked the other. 
I found something amazing, Cricket said. The queen will want to see it right away. It was hard to hear her from here. Her voice was much quieter than the guards. Blue strained to listen. Unless it's a map to that blasted flame silk, she's going to bite your head off, said the first guard. I'd try the librarian first if I were you, little dragon. She likes unusual things. And she's a bit less murdery than the queen, agreed the second guard, smiling. Blue felt a sharp twist of guilt. These guards were so friendly, and they were going to be in so much trouble if Blue and Sundew got into the hive and Queen Wasp found out. Would they lose their jobs, or would their punishment be even worse? He worried at one of his claws. Why did it have to be such nice, friendly guards in their way? A voice in his head that sounded like Luna whispered, Maybe they're only friendly because they're talking to a hive wing. Have you ever seen a guard be that nice to a silk wing? Did you even know they could smile? These same guards might have been out for the last three days hunting you. They might have been in the unit that came to shove me in a cage. They might spend their outer shifts, other shifts, poking flame silks with spears to make them burn faster. Blue shivered, trying to shake off the voice. So what is it? The first guards asked, craning his neck as Cricket approached. Isn't it beautiful? She said. And it smells like nothing I've ever smelled before. She held out the flower between the two guards, so they both leaned in to sniff it. And then Cricket squeezed her claws shut, crushing the petals in her grip. Blue couldn't see exactly what when it hit them, but a moment later, the guards crumpled to the ground. One of them hit his head toward the high, on the hive wall, and he, as he fell, Cricket flinched, reaching toward him too late. She crouched over him, folding in his blade wings and checking his pulse. The pearl-slant flowers lay where she dropped it on the dirt, its edges brown and wrinkled now. Sundew sprinted toward the entrance, and Blue scrambled to follow her. Leave them, Sundew snapped at Cricket. I don't know how much they got or how long it'll last. If I were you, I would have shoved it right up their snouts. Well, I wasn't going to do that, Cricket said crossly, and it worked fine, didn't it? What kind of flower is that? Is it related to nightshade? Blue bent over the second guard, surreptitiously making sure she was alive. She was, and that she'd fallen in a comfortable position. Sundew strode on without waiting, and both Cricket and Blue had to jump and run after her under the malevolent gaze of the giant Queen Wasp statue. The ground-level doors to the hive were massive and spontaneously made of wood, with wasps carved all over them and a profile of the queen on each side. Sundew paused in front of one for a moment and then reached up and raked her claws across the queen's elegant snout, leaving splintery furrows in the wood. That was unnecessary, Cricket protested. You ruined a really nice carving. Wait until I get her actual face, Sundew snarled. She yanked the door open a crack and peeked through, and shoved it a little further and squeezed herself in the gap. Blue and Cricket went next, spilling out onto the streets of Wasp Hive's lowest level. What they saw was a deserted street of warehouses, rows and rows of blocking, blocky buildings, each a perfect beige cube reaching from floor to ceiling with one large door. Storage, Blue guessed, although of what he exactly wasn't sure. Each door was marked with a symbol, which were all unfamiliar to him. 
He only had a moment to think about it, because Sundew already started up the path that led to the next level. Blue ran after uh, her and caught her shoulder. What? she snapped. Let Cricket go first, he said, and walk like a normal silkwing. Don't charge around with I have somewhere to be and someone to set on fire faces. Even if your disguise was way better than it is, walking and scowling like that will get you caught in a heartbeat. Fine, she said, fumming. Show me how you walk. Blue turned to Cricket. Have you ever been here before? He asked her. Do you know where the temple is? Yes, she said. My class visited the temple last year, and my dad took me a couple of times. It's up in the center of the hive. He nodded and stepped back so she could lead the way. Then he ducked his head and trailed after her, looking as harmless and inconspicuous as he could. Sundu fell into step behind him, growling and muttering under her breath. Tuck your chin a little more, Bliss suggested softly. Keep her eyes on the ground. Don't look directly at any hive wings. Try not to make any noise. She hissed at him. You're just like I always pictured, Silkwings. She spat. Subservient worms. He stopped mid-step and frowned at her. We are not, he said. We are pacifists, yes, and we follow the rules. But it kept us alive, hasn't it? There's a lot more Silkwings left in the world than Leafwings, I bet, he added hurriedly, since he wasn't actually sure. Up until this morning, he'd have guessed the number of Leafwings was zero. But he must have been right, because she spun and glared at him. If you'd be willing to fight with with us, we'd all still be alive. Or we or we'd all be dead, he pointed out. The significantly more likely scenario. I don't know why Willow wants to save our your tribe, Sundu snapped. You're much as You're as much as a pro of a problem as Sidewings, with your nodding and smiling and agreeing to let them trample all over you. I'd throw you all into the sea if it were up to me. Cricket came back a little round the bend in the tunnel. Can we try to be a little more quiet, she said. We'll be at the residential level soon. Which meant more dragons around and more hivelings who might be over here, Sundu and Blue, arguing. He bit back everything he wanted to say to the leafwing and hurried after Cricket, walking like he normally did around hivelings, which was a perfectly fine way to walk, and he thought, and that it kept you out of trouble, and it was polite, and was Sundu right? Was he confusing obedience and good behavior with letting the hivelings trample all over him? What else was I supposed to do exactly, he wondered. Stare right at the hivings, speak up, pick fights, end up on misbehavior's way all the time like Swordtail? I don't like being yelled at. Acting the way of do has been a good way to avoid that. Wasp Hive was constructed much like Cicada Hive, but with, but bigger, with wider hallways and tunnels and higher ceilings on each level. The walls of the tunnels were painted with black and yellow stripes or six-sided honeycomb patterns, alternating by level. Weavings and posters of Queen Wasp glared at them around every bend. The tunnels became busier as they ascended, and the blue drew closer to Cricket with a nervous jittering in his chest. They passed a family of hivelings arguing over where to go for dinner, a silk wing carrying a basket of clean blankets, a pair of hivelings singing and teasing each other about getting the words wrong. Everyone seemed so normal. Their lives were carrying on despite the days spent under control, the queen's mind control. The few, a few of them nodded politely at Cricket, but nobody even glanced at Blue or Sundew. 
and then Cricket slowed down, flicking her wings back as she stepped out of the tunnels and onto a polished floor made of wheel wood, not tree stuff. Blue bit back a gasp as he followed her onto the smooth surface. It gleamed in waves of gold and amber and brown, all the way across the vast space in front of them, to the foot of the Temple of Clear Sight. Chapter 20 Blue had read that the Temple of Clearsight was the most beautiful structure in the world. He knew that it had been built by Clearsight's grandchildren, then partially destroyed hundreds of years later during the war with the Leafwings, and then moved to be reconstructed here, in the heart of Wasp Hive, where it could be kept safe. Books had told him that it was made of 60 different kinds of wood, all polished and painstakingly fitted together so it looked like a perfect miracle. But books couldn't describe the feeling of peace that hit him when he saw it. The temple wasn't an enormous towering structure, as he'd always imagined. It was no bigger than the cocoon, but built with elegant balance and graceful proportions. The columns that lined the front of it were wood so dark it was almost black, embedded with tiny flecks of quartz that looked like distant stars. The roof swept into a dragon tail points at each corner, and a central dome was covered in curved golden wood tiles that looked like scales. It sat quietly in the center of the vast wooden courtyard, surrounded by reflecting pools and little nooks lined with bookshelves. Even at this hour, Blue saw a few dragons curled here and there, on a bench, beside a pool, on a bamboo mat between shelves, all of them reading. Tiny flames of lanterns glowed beside them. A few floated on the water of the pools, and others hung from the rafters of the temple. Another light glowed on the dome, and when Blue looked up, he realized there was a skylight overhead that pierced all the levels, all the way up to the top of the hive. In the distance, he could see the stars and the corner of one, the moons shining down on the temple. It must be covered with glass to keep the rains out, but it was kept so clean it looked like a direct hole into the sky. The effect was somewhere between Magic Library and Peace Garden, and Blue found himself consumed with sadness that he'd never been here before, and most likely will never be able to come here again. He wished he could live like these hive wings, with this place at his claw tips every day. He wished he could work for the librarian, taking care of the temple and all these books, sweeping the floors and feeding the koi and keeping it beautiful, and never getting yelled at by angry leaf wings or chased by angry queen zombies. Instead, he was here to destroy this peaceful place by stealing the one thing that it was built around. They walked toward the temple as quietly as they could. A long carpet of dark blue silk stretched toward the temple door and muffled their talon steps. Golden dragonflies and green lizards were woven into in a subtle pattern through the carpet. It was more beautiful than Blue's, even Blue's favorite cocoon weavings, and it felt impossibly ancient. He glanced sideways at Sundu to see if the aurora of the temple had calmed her down at all. She caught him looking and hurried to scowl back onto her face. "'Don't you think it's amazing?' he whispered. "'No!' she whispered back furiously. Ferociously, she waved her tail at the carvings around them. "'How many trees had to die to make this place?' He didn't answer. He felt in his bones that the temple was worth everything it took to make it. 
but he could also imagine how hard it was for Sundew, mourning the vast forest of trees that used to cover Pantala. Queen Wasp and the Hivewings had destroyed all of that. Not just the Leafwings' bones, but the spirits of the trees they clearly loved, too. The two Hivewing guards stood on either side of the arched temple door, holding long spears. Blue felt panic stirring in his chest. He tapped Cricket's wing and she paused, turning back to him. Sandu and I don't have wristbands, he said softly. These guards, I think they'll notice. Cricket nodded as though he'd drawn her attention to an interesting fish. She strolled off the carpet path and over to one of the pools, sitting down beside it and beckoning for Blue and Sandu to do the same. These aren't the only guards, she murmured when they were beside her. She crouched closer to the water. There's another pair guarding the inner door, and in the room with the book itself, there's always either two more guards or the librarian. The book is in a wooden case, which is locked, and the only the librarian has the key. Where's the librarian if she's not with the book? Sandu whispered. She lives in the back room of a temple, so she can be near the book at all times. Once a librarian is chosen, she never leaves the temple again. Blue hadn't known that. Yikes. What would it be like to be a dragon who was never allowed to fly or see the sky? Even though the temple was perfect, he couldn't imagine anyone who'd be happy trapped in it, to be trapped in it forever. Possibly six guards, plus the librarian, Sundu muttered. So, you know, it would have been quite helpful if you mentioned any of this earlier today, during the planning stages. I forgot until I saw the temple, Cricket said innocently. Sorry, I haven't been here in a while. Sundu growled softly and started poking through her pouches. Cricket caught Blue's eye and gave him a small, nervous smile. Blue was sure Cricket had remembered all the details of the guards all along, but she was still trying to find a way to get her out of stealing the book. He wished he could do something to help her. He wished he could think of a way to rescue Luna, protect the tribes from an invasion of leaf wings, save the Book of Clearsight, and escape with his friends. Ideally, with a minimum of danger, violence, or dragons yelling at him. His heart stopped suddenly. Maybe there was one possible way out of this. The problem was, it was risky and insane. But then, so was stealing the Book of Clearsight. We could tell the guards, he thought. We could turn in Sandu and expose her disguise. We gave her to Queen Wasp. Tell them where Belladonna and Hambok are hiding, so the soldiers can swoop in and save toward Swordtail and catch them. We'd be heroes, wouldn't we? Surely capturing three leaflings and ex- exposing a plot to steal the Book of Clearsight would be the greatest gift they have could they could ever give Queen Wasp. She would have to forgive them for everything else, wouldn't she? He tried to follow that thought. Would she forgive Swordtail for attacking her, shol- her soldiers? What about Io? Could she be forgiven too? Would Queen Watch let Blue and Luna go back to their safe, ordinary lives with their mothers? Maybe if they promised to give all their flame silk to her? Would she let Swordtail and Luna be partnered together? What about his father? Would she set him free too? If he was even still alive? What about all the other flame silks, if there were others? Would she think th- three leafwings were a fair trade for how ever many silk wings she had trapped in her flame silk factory? If not, he could accept his own freedom and Luna's, knowing knowing he'd left the others behind? Or what if Queen Wasp took the information, destroyed the leafwings, and then gave him nothing, them nothing in return? He might betray Sandu and break his promises, only to end up a thousand times as much trouble as before. He'd be walking straight into the Queen's clutches with no leverage. 
And how would we explain cricket, he realized. What if telling the queen about the leaf wings and how we found them and where we've been the, for the last three days means she figures out that cricket can't be mind-controlled? He needed to keep her out of this if he did it. He had no need. He, he had no idea how. He needed to ask Cricket for advice. He needed to think, but he didn't have time. Sandy slipped something out of one of her pouches and palmed it. She nodded to Cricket, walked straight inside. Don't look guilty. What are you going to do? Cricket whispered. Something effective, Sandu hissed. Let's go. Cricket led the way to the back of the silk path and headed toward the front door of the temple. One of the guards was watching them intently, but the other had his gaze focused on his spear. Blue found it harder and harder to breathe. Should he do it now? Would he run forward and throw himself on the guard's mercy? If he was going to betray Sundu, he had to do it before they were caught, in order to earn Queen Wasp's gratitude. But Cricket, is this what she would want? He heard whisking sounds from behind him, like two puff, tiny puffs of air. He glanced back at Sundu. She jerked her chin at him. Keep walking. Cricket had reached the steps of the temple. This was it. The guards could stop, would step forward and demand to see their wristbands. They'd arrest him and Sundu on the spot. And, and it would only be a moment before they realized Sundu's second pair of wings was fake. Turn her in. Turn her in now. Blue took a deep breath and focused on the guard who had been watching them which is when he realized the guard wasn't moving. His eyes were still fixed on the carpet where they had been, several steps back. His black wings, spotted with large yellow and red splotches, were halfway raised and his mouth slightly open as though he had been about to speak. But he was still as the statue of Queen Wasp outside, still as the prisoners on misbehavior's way. Blue whipped his head around to the other guard. She was paralyzed the same way, frozen with her spear in her talons and a slight frown in her face. How did Sandu do that? The only hive wings that had that kind of neurotoxin, and only a few of them. And as far as Blue knew, they could only wield it from up close by stabbing little stingers into their victims. But Sandu had done it from a distance somehow, and so even looked up from there, and so quietly that none of the dragons in the temple grounds had even looked up from their books. Unless someone looked carefully at the guards, it was possible no one would notice they were paralyzed at all for most of the night. Keep moving, Sundu whispered. You're both staring. Cricket shook herself and stepped through the archway. Blue wished he could pull her aside and talk. She must be terrified. At least, he was terrified. The room they stepped into was as tranquil as the grounds outside. To their left, a painting of clear sight took up almost the entire wall, with small lanterns and flickering on either side of it. She looked kind and wise, like Blue had always imagined. Offerings were piled below the painting. Bundles of wilting marigolds, tiny silver sugar cakes, little weavings of poems. To their right, the wall was divided into hundreds of small cubby holes in a honeycomb pattern. Most of the holes held scraps of paper, wishes written by dragon claws, dreams for what they hoped the future would hold, folded and tucked inside. A desk stood in the corner with more paper for anyone who wanted to write one of their own. Blue imagined all the dragons who had come through here, all their shaking talons asking Clearsight for hope, for luck, for love. Hivewings and Silkwings alike visited the temple and believed in Clearsight. She helped them in believe in, better, in a better future. Would they lose all that faith without the book? If we steal it, does it all fall apart? Will anyone come here anymore? 
He knew what he wished he, he could write on one of those scraps of paper. Please keep my friends safe. Please tell me what to do. Cricket didn't pause in the antechamber. She kept walking toward the inner sanctum. Blue, who had slowed down to look around, was able to watch Sundew as she went past him. He saw her lift something to her mouth and swiftly blow into it. Once, slightly tilt to the right. Twice. She had an uncanny aim. She saw the moment each guard froze, spears slightly lifted, mouths ajar as though they'd sensed a threat and were about to order them to halt. Whatever she was shooting, the guards were no use to him now. He couldn't hand over Sundew to a pair of statues. How are we going to get out of this? There had to be more than just guards between them and the book. Maybe the case would be impossible to get into. He really hoped it was. Cricket stepped between the two guards, casting them each with a nervous glance. Neither of them so much as twitched. With a deep breath, she opened the double doors and stepped into the final room. This one was small and shadowy and perfectly square, like standing inside a wooden box. Blue squinted at the glimmering ceiling and realized it was that it was inlaid with moonstone stars. The only light in the room was a lantern that hung over the case that held the book. Blue caught his breath. He knew it wasn't the book itself, but the case was carved to look like a book, too. A book with dragons sweeping across the cover and clambering around the spine, tails twining into vines, wings spilling into clouds, eyes like suns. The podium holding up the case was shaped like a leafless tree, branches spreading to support the book. For a moment, he couldn't understand why Queen Wasp had allowed that here, when trees were forbidden in in all other art. Then, he realized that the podium was probably as old as the temple, from a long time before Queen Wasp's decrees, a time before the forests were destroyed. He stepped to Cricket's side, and she reached to brush his shoulder with her wing. He knew she felt it too, the sacredness of this place, the magic of the Book of Clearsight. But if Undu felt it, it, she didn't let it slow her down. She shoved past them, darted to the podium, and grabbed the case. It didn't move. For a moment, she wrestled with it furiously, trying to pick it up, but the case was inextricably joined to the podium. And when she tried to pick that up, she discovered it was firmly rooted to the floor, as though it had, was grown from the wooden planks. With a growl of frustration, Sundu seized the lock and tried to yank it off. Blue realized that, too, would fail, and then her next step would be going to be snatch the ancient case. He stepped toward her, trying to raise the nerve to argue with her. And then a voice spoke from the darkest patch of the shadows at the back of the room. Stop. The Book of Clear Sight is not for you. The librarian stepped into the light. A tall, bony dragon whose scales were the pale orange of unripe apricots, marked with a zigzagging triangle pattern of black along her spine and tail. She wore a dark silk veil that shrouded her face. Face. Little dragons, she hissed. I've been expecting you. Chapter 21 She knows. She knows everything. The book told her we would try to steal it, just like I knew it would. Blue's heart hammered loudly against his ribs. They were trapped. If I didn't if I talk fast, maybe I could still turn Sundu in. Maybe they don't know where Veldana and Hemlock are. The queen might still have mercy on us if we go quietly and tell her everything. 
if I don't fight, if I follow orders, if I keep my head down and say sorry. But staring into the librarian's hooded face, he knew he couldn't do any of that. He couldn't hand the leafings over to the queen's cruelty. He couldn't bow his head and go back to being obedient, now that he knew about flame silks and the mind control and the chrysalis. After seeing the guards closing in on Luna, he knew he never trust the queen again. The librarian took another step forward and tilted her head toward Sundu. A hiss escaped from under the veil. You're a leaf wing, she snarled. You seem surprised, Sundu said mockingly. I thought you were expecting us. Didn't your precious book tell you I'd be a leaf wing? A leaf wing, a silk wing, and a hive wing, the librarian mused, looking at each of them in turn. She seemed to stare at Cricket the longest. Then suddenly she ripped, reached up and ripped off her veil. Her eyes were blank and white as pearls. Cricket gasped, flinching backward. What strange treason is this? The librarian roared. Why can't I get inside your mind, worm? Blue jumped in front of her, not even really knowing what he was doing, only that he needed to be between Cricket and the queen who could see everything. I'm the one you're looking for, he cried. Blue, Luna's brother, the maybe flame silk. He rubbed his arm so the paint flaked off a little bit more and his true colors shone through. See, I'll turn myself in. Just please let them go. Never, the queen snarled in the librarian's voice. She reached for them with long stingers sliding out from under her claws. And then Sundu cannon into the librarian's side and slammed her into the wall. The librarian turned with a shriek and slashed at Sundu's face, but Sundu ducked and spun in the same movement, smashing her tail into the librarian's chest. The librarian was bigger and stronger, but the leafwing fought like a cornered tiger. They wrestled fear- furiously around the tiny space, hissing and clawing and kinking at each other, until Sundu suddenly seized the librarian's head and threw her to the floor. She caught one of the hive wing's wrists as the sitting claws came for her again and snapped the arm bone with a brutal crack. The librarian screamed again and stabbed her back claws into Sundu's underbelly. They rolled into the wall, leaving a smear of blood along the floor. What, what would Clearsight think of us? Blue thought with despair, fighting over her legacy like this. What did she see in this vision, and what did she think of it? Was she proud of the librarian for defending the book? Did she hate us for trying to steal it? He looked up, as though her spirit might be in the moonstones above them, watching the scene unfold. I'm sorry, Clearsight, he thought. I never meant to cause trouble like this. I didn't ask for it. I tried to be good. Something sparkled in the stones. A bright reflection that dazzled his eyes for a moment. He looked down and saw where it had come from, an object on the floor that had caught the light of the lantern. A key. The key. It had been torn from the librarian's neck in the struggle with Sundu. He glanced at Cricket, but she was crouched by the other door with talons over her face, and he felt a wave of enormous guilt crash over him. The queen knew Cricket's secret now, and it was all his fault. Her whole life was going to change, and even if they did somehow manage to escape this room, 
she could never go home. The queen would want to find her and figure out why she couldn't control her. Queen Wops had taken Luna's life and Blue's life and Cricket's life. She'd taken the free will of her entire tribe. She'd taken the lives of thousands of leaflings and their beloved trees. It was time someone took something from her. Blue snatched up the key and leaped toward the case. With trembling claws, he fit the key in the lock and turned it. Please forgive me, Clearsight. He felt the weight of all the rules he'd never broken, settling over his scales and sinking into his heart as he opened the lid of the case. There it was, the real book of Clearsight. It was much, much smaller than he'd expected, and it wasn't bound in gold either. The leather, the leather cover was dyed blue, but had no other decoration. It was soft and warm, as worn, as though it had been read a million times. The pages inside were ancient, flaking around the edges and yellowed with age. It smelled like books and a far-off hint of the pine forest. A pine forest. He lifted it gently into his talons. Wait, Cricket said, as he turned quickly to her. And he turned quickly to her, but she wasn't speaking to him. She was talking to Sundu, who had the librarian pinned against the wall. Don't kill her, Cricket said. Why not? Sundu demanded. Her stomach was bleeding, and her fake wings had been torn off, along with a few of her pouches. She was breathing heavily, raggedly, as, she, as was the librarian. Because she's not the one fighting you, Cricket said. She took a step closer and peered into the librarian's eyes. The queen is. Does the queen control you all the time? Is that why you always wear the bell? The answering glare was as blank and as white as ever. It would make sense, Cricket said softly. That's the one way to be sure the librarian never reveals the book's secrets. The tribe thinks two dragons share the book's knowledge, but really, only the queen does, because the librarian isn't herself anymore. He, Blue shuddered. He thought that being trapped in the temple her whole life was bad enough, but it was even worse. The librarian was trapped in her own mind, unable to get out or make any of her own decisions ever again. Sandu studied the dragon with sharp eyes. I heard rumors that the Hyphen Queen could control our subjects, but I thought they were just stories the old ones made up to frighten us. The queen and the librarian barked a laugh. <laughs> no, she said. It's all true. I can control all of them. That's why every dragon in the hive is on their way to surround the temple right now. I can't move the guards you paralyzed, but I can reach every everyone else. The moment you step outside this temple, they will kill you all. But you're not sending them inside, Cricket murmured, because you don't want them to know you control the librarian this way. Let's try something, Sundu said. Hive wing. It's Cricket, Cricket corrected her. Cricket, Sundu amended, and something about her using her name made the young leaf wing sound like a real dragon for a moment, not just a swiftly moving ball of fury. Find my pouch with a large A marked on the outside. Cricket searched the pouches on the floor, then edged close enough to Sundu to poke through the pouches, still clasped around her. Found it, she said. Open it very carefully, Sundu instructed, and take out the drawn side, but don't open that until I say so. Any chance you could be a little more ominous about this? Cricket said wryly. 
She drew out the jar and held it between her front talons. Now, I want you to open it and shake it on her tail, and then get as far away, uh, away as you can. Cricket upended the jar over the librarian and jumped back to Blue Side. Two small black ants fell out, landed on the librarian's tail, and clung to it with their small wriggling legs. Their antennae searched for scales as though puzzled. What are you doing? the queen demanded. When you're inside a dragon, Sundu said, you can feel everything they can, can't you? Or else you wouldn't have screamed when they broke your arm. Yes, Cricket answered for her. She know, I know she leaves dragons when they're hurt or dying. Oh, I see your game, the queen scoffed. I can take a lot more pain than a broken arm, though. I'm not afraid of anything you can do to this body. That may be, said Sundu, but I'm guessing that's before, because you've never been bitten by a bullet ant before. Blue had never even heard of a bullet ant, and from her silence, he guessed the queen hadn't either. They all watched the tiny ant circle for a moment and start climbing. Up and up the librarian's tail and along her spine. The librarian didn't move and didn't move and didn't move. And then, as one of them ran toward her neck, she flicked her wing instinctively to knock it off her. Instead, it latched onto the wingtip and bit down with little pincher jaws. The scream that came out of the librarian was nothing that Blue had ever heard before. She collapsed as though her bones had melted, and Sentu dropped her to the floor, where the dragon lay shaking all over and screaming that terrible scream. Sendu stepped over the patches of blood on the floor, took the jar from Cricket, and neatly scooped up the two ants without letting them touch her. She screwed the lid back on very tightly and packed it again away in her pouch. Then she crouched by the, by the librarian's head and peeled open one of her eyelids. Had enough? She asked the white eyeball beneath. This pain is going to last half a day, just so you know. It's not stopping anytime soon. I'll kill you for this, the queen hissed. And then, abruptly, the eye rolled back and became a normal eye. Dark orange irises and dilated pupils stared up at Sundu. The librarian stopped screaming. You, you did it, she said in a screamed voice. Ow, 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 I know it's worth it, but ow, it's hard to really know that right now. I've tried once before for her to hurt myself badly enough that she set me free, but it wouldn't work. This is so much worse, though. She sat up, holding her wing out at an awkward angle and moaning softly. Is she really gone? Sundu asked. The librarian nodded. Yes, for the first time in years. She inhaled and exhaled slowly, then glanced at her wing and winced again. If she's really gone, then here, Sundu said, digging out a pair of dark green leaves from another pouch. Chew this and spit it on the spot where the ant bit you. It'll deaden the nerve and should dull the pain for a while, at least. Thank you, the librarian said. She put the leaves in her mouth and started chewing. It'll also make your son to feel, tongue to feel very weird, Sundu added, just to warn you. Hum, grah, the queen, the librarian agreed, making a face. Has the queen been controlling you all this time? Cricket asked. The librarian nodded, talking awkwardly around the leaves in her mouth. Ever since the int- ever since the intention ceremony. I woke up from the ritual with her inside my head. When she sleeps, she makes me sleep. She's always in there. She shuddered. I was so proud to be chosen. I never knew what it would mean. I had no idea I should do this. That's horrible, 
Lou said softly. The book felt fragile and warm in his talons. He wanted to protect it with all his heart, and he was sure anyone who wanted to be the librarian must feel the same way. They didn't need to be brainwashed into it. Queen Wasp didn't even give them a chance to show their loyalty. She forced it upon them instead. She'll be back back in your head as soon as she thinks it's safe, the cricket pointed out. I know, the librarian said, nodding, but even a moment to be myself is more than I ever thought I'd have half again. She spread the leaf paste over the edge of her wing, and the pain lines around her eyes relaxed. Oh, thank clear sight. Sundu glanced across at Blue. So, she said, we have the book, which is great, but we're surrounded by hive zombies who would really like to kill us, which is less great. Can you throw bullet ants at them? He asked, or blow dart them? I don't have any more blow darts, she said. Or enough bullet ants for everyone in the whole hive, although that would be my kind of revenge. She started collecting the pouches she'd lost during the fight, checking their contents, and resettling them around her. She kicked the pair of the fake wings into the corner. I'll help you, the librarian said quietly. You will? Blue asked, said, surprised. But we're stealing the book. Your whole purpose in life is to keep it safe. The librarian looked at the book in his talons, and her eyes were sadder than any dragons he'd ever seen before. I think it's some time it's time someone else knew the book's secrets, she said. And if the queen kills me for it, it'll be better than I I'll still be better off than I was this morning. How can you help us? Sundu asked practically. Is there, is there another way out of here? Not exactly, she answered. But I can get you up to the dome, at least. The librarian got to her feet, wincing from the other wounds Sundu had given her, and limped back to the corner where she'd first appeared. She couldn't put any weight on her broken arm, and Blue wondered if Sundu felt anywhere near as terrible as he did about that. A secret panel in the wooden wall slid aside at her touch, and they all followed her into the librarian's quarters. Compared to the other rooms of the temple, this one felt cold and empty. A bamboo mat in the corner and a small bookshelf were the only two items in the room. It looks like a prison cell, Blue thought. The position of the librarian was supposed to be the tribe's greatest honor, but instead it was a trick, a snare to tr- set to trap one of the brightest minds of the hive wings to keep her useless forever. Another panel slid aside to reveal a spiral staircase going up. They climbed after the librarian, rounding the last curve to find themselves in an attic smelled of wood chips and boiled silk. The underside of the dome curved over their heads, and Blue saw a door on one side that led to a small balcony. What's this for? Cricket asked, blinking around at the dust and the abandoned boxes. She picked up an odd-looking tool that looked a bit like a curved dragon tongue. I think librarians used it. I think librarians used it to make books appear, the librarian said wistfully. Oh, Cricket said. She ran along one claw along the top of a dusty table. That's not, that's what I thought they did too. Not anymore, not in a long time. The librarian led the way to the balcony door and peeked out through the glass. Oh dear. Sundu edged in beside her and looked out as well. Humph, she snorted. I can take them. Every hive wing and wasp hive, Cricket said. You are terrifying, but even I still find that a little hard to believe. 
Unless you have something else alarming in one of those pouches, Blue Tap said hopefully. Sundu tapped the floor thoughtfully with one claw. Maybe, she said, but I need fire to make it work. I have fire, Cricket said. She scrambled to pull out the little stone jar with the flame silk thread inside and tipped it to show Sundu. Would this work? The leafling's eyes gleamed. I think so. Be careful, the librarian pleaded as Sundu took the jar in her claws. Don't set the temple on fire. You can have the book, but please leave the temple. Sundu hesitated, as though she would have loved to set the whole hive on fire, but after a moment she nodded. Stand back. She took a branch covered with long, waxy-looking red-brown leaves out of another pouch. With careful, slow movements, she dipped the point of each one into the jar until it touched the flame silk and caught fire. A bright flame flared for a moment on each leaf, and then vanished into curls of reddish smoke. Sundu handed the jar back to Cricket and opened the door to the balcony, holding the burning branch out away from her. Now Blue could see the temple grounds, and the high wings who covered every inch of space between the temple and the door. Orange, red, yellow, and black scales rippled like a vast sea of poisonous snakes. As Sundu stepped onto the balcony of the dome, every head snapped toward her in unison, blank eyes latching onto her. One branch of burning leaves seemed very small in the face of those talons and teeth and claws. Blue shivered, and he felt Cricket put one wing over his back and lean against him. I should be comforting her, he thought. I'm the one who's ruined her life. But if she was still willing to be close to him, perhaps she forgave him. Perhaps she still liked him anyway. Sundu hissed at a crowd of the hive wings. Smoke was rolling off the leaves for now, growing thicker and redder and darker. She glanced at it one more time, checking that it was all smoke and no flames, and then she threw it with all her might directly into the middle of the watching dragons. It hit a yellow-black dragon, who shook it off and hopped away with a yelp. The dragons closest to him began coughing. They sank to the ground, one by one, hacking and wheezing, as the smoke billowed up and out, swallowing the dragons around it. But it wasn't enough. For each hive-wing incapacitated by the smoke, there were five more still grimly standing between them and the only way out. Capture the flame silk, they intoned. Kill the other two. The buzz of their wings filled the chamber as the dragon after dragon rose into the air and surged toward the dome. Blue's heartbeat surged with panic. Wait, that's not the only way out. He looked up. There was the skylight and the stars far above them. The hole was barely, barely large enough for a dragon to fit through, but he and Cricket and Sundu were all fairly small. If they could if they could break the glass at the top, they could at least get outside the hive. Up, he shouted, grabbing Cricket's arm and pointing. We can go out the skylight. She followed his gaze and then looked at him. What about you? she asked. How do we get you up there? Oh, he twisted to look back at his wing buds, as though perhaps they had magically turned into wings the last several heartbeats. We'll carry him. Sundu threw open her wings and leaped off the balcony. Let's go, and hold on to that book. She started smashing high wings aside with her tail and talons. He clutched the book to his chest. Cricket whirled around in a panic and grabbed a long, twisted silk rope from one of the tables. She and the librarian threw it around Boo's shoulders and chest and tied it fast. They each took an end and ran to the balcony. I wish I had wings, Blue thought, closing his eyes. I wish I were more than dead weight for my friends to drag around. 
The rope jerked tight under his arms, and he was dragged smack into the balcony railing, nearly tumbling over it, before the rope steadied, and he felt himself lifted up, up into the air. He tilted sideways almost immediately as the librarian's bigger wings soared ahead, and Cricket faltered under his weight. Then Sundu swept up beside her and took the rope as well, tugging him upright. All he could do was dangle helplessly, holding onto the book for dear life. But right below his talons, the smoke still billowed, and the seething mass of hive wings snapped and churned. Three of them surged toward his feet, and he kicked at them frantically. Hark! Help! he shouted. A cascade of little red centipedes poured down from above him. Each dragon they struck let out a shriek of alarm and or pain and dropped away, clawing at his face. Their dome was shrinking below him. Blue looked up and saw Sundu, and then Cricket ducked into the skylight hole. The librarian was hovering beside it, taking up the slack in his rope, waiting to let them go first. Then suddenly she looked down at him, and her eyes were wide again. Nice try, she said. Cricket! Blue screamed. The librarian's claws slashed through the rope, connecting him and his him to his friends. He tumbled sideways, jerking to a stop at the end of the severed rope, but feeling knots start to slip loose around his chest. Cricket shot back down the shaft and flew at the librarian's face. The librarian ducked away, gave her an evil grin, and let Blue's rope fall from her hands. His stomach flipped as he started to plummet, then jerked to a stop again as Cricket caught the end of the rope. But she wasn't strong enough to lift him alone. Even with her wings beating as hard as she could, they were both sinking down toward the hive wings. Cricket, he yelled, you have to go without me. They won't kill me, but they're under orders to kill you. Take the book and go. I'm not, she started to shout back, but he was already tossing the book up toward her. She had to drop the rope to catch it. She did it instinctively, as he'd known she would. She was as well trained to love the book as he was. All their lives, they'd known it. It was the most precious object in their world. She'd reach for it without thinking, even if her conscious mind would have chosen to save Blue instead. As he fell, as a thousand claws reached up to seize him, he saw Cricket clutch the book to her chest and shout his name. He saw Sundu pummel the librarian hard enough to knock the hyphing out of the air. He saw Sundu grab Cricket's arm and pull her away, and he saw Cricket's last look back, and he saw their tails disappearing away up the skylight. And then all he could see was orange and yellow and black and red as the talons closed around him, and the queen had him in her grasp at last.